0: One of the results of fear is anxiety. When we're afraid about something, we become anxious about it. And we can have a fear-filled anxiety over just about anything, from money to friendships to health to safety to you name it, we can be fear-filled and anxious about it. And fear-filled anxiety, it steals our peace. Listen to a story I read this week that illustrates this. Scott Jordan is the chief executive of a small clothing company. In addition to owning his business, Jordan has flown a small plane. He has bungee jumped, skied on glaciers. He even drove his sports car on a public highway at 152 miles per hour. Yet Jordan says terrorism worries him, so he'll likely cancel a business trip to South Korea next month. Jordan said if he went, he was afraid that some crazy person would, describe, would decide to bomb the Hyatt, and then he'd be dead. Though statistically, Jordan is more likely to be killed on the highway He is part of a growing group of people who are fearful because of the current world situation. Research has shown that Americans have dramatically reduced the risk in their lives, resulting in longer lifespans over the past 100 years. Many deadly diseases have been virtually eliminated. Food and water has been purified. New drugs and surgery techniques have helped forestall heart disease. Even on the highway, new safety devices like airbags are saving many lives. Reports from research studies, court cases, and media hype hint though that danger is waiting behind every corner. We're told that everything has a hidden danger, from a cup of hot coffee or secondhand smoke to anthrax or SARS. Despite the fact that contemporary America is one of the safest societies in recorded history, many people feel like they have never been more at risk. Katie Nader, professor of neuroscience, And the psychology department of McGill University in Montreal says this, and I want you to listen to this. In our current environment, our fear system is almost too developed because it's trying to protect us against threats that really don't exist. Let me say that again. In our current environment, our fear system is almost too powerful because it's trying to protect us against threats that really don't exist. When we let fear-filled anxiety rule our lives, it will keep us from having real peace. Fear-filled anxiety is one reason that many people today have little to no real peace. Peaceless people can put on a good face in public. But in private, their inner turmoil, it steals any hope of real peace. Now, we often think of peace as a lack of conflict. There's no conflict in my job or my home or my life. There's no pain or hardship. There's no no struggling and nothing to be afraid of. And surely, this is a kind of peace, but this is not the kind of peace the Bible describes. Instead of there being peace because nothing is wrong in our lives, the Bible describes us having peace despite the fact that there may be all kinds of bad things going on in our lives. Listen to how Billy Graham describes it. In Christ we are relaxed and at peace in the midst of the confusions, bewilderments, and perplexities of this life. The storm rages, but our hearts are at rest. We have found peace at last. God's peace is a peace that allows our minds and our hearts to have rest, no matter what the storms or circumstances that we find in our lives. Now, if you're one of those people today that puts on a good face in public, but lies awake at night, filled with fear-filled anxiety, knowing no real peace, I want you to know that there's hope. There is a peace that passes all understanding, and you can have it. Open your Bible to Isaiah chapter 26. It's page 535 if you have a pew Bible. When you find that, I'm going to ask you to stand to honor the reading of God's Word. Isaiah 26 and 3. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for in Yah the Lord is everlasting strength. The title of the message this morning is The Peace of God. Let's pray. Our Father, we love you today. Father, you are great and awesome. You are worthy of our praise and you are worthy of our devotion. Father, we live in a world where we are constantly told we're in danger. We live in a world where bad things happen. We live in a world where any number of things seem to be able to go wrong at any time. And peace seems so elusive. Father, we try to find peace in in what the world offers. We try to occupy our minds with different thoughts and ideas so that we don't have to think about the things that we're scared of. Father, often it seems we look everywhere for peace but to You. Father, today as we look at Your Word, show us the folly of looking to the world for peace. Show us, Father, that You can keep us in perfect peace when our minds are stayed on You. Show us, Father, that no matter what the circumstances of our lives may be, we don't have to be afraid. Because we know the one true God who loves us, has saved us, and is actively at work in our lives. Father, right now begin to Bring peace into hearts and minds. Begin to give comfort that only you can give. Begin to give encouragement that only you can give. Today, let us lay aside the cares of life and let our hearts and minds be centered upon you that we could think about you and we could listen to your word. Father, we know there's an enemy who would love to steal the good seed out of our hearts this morning. Prevent us from having peace. He, he enjoys the turmoil of our lives. Give Him no place in our church. Give Him no place in our minds and our hearts today. Let us be so so aware of Your presence and Your Spirit at work, the enemy could not steal the good seed. Fill me with Your Holy Spirit, that I could speak Your words and Your ways for Your glory. Let Your good words sink deep into our hearts and give peace. Let it be a peace, Father, that's not something we put on in public but and are afraid at night. But, Lord, a peace that sustains us through whatever may come in the future. Be glorified through our lives, our attitudes, and our actions. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. people of Isaiah's day were under the threat of attack. The Assyrians were an army that wanted to destroy and to conquer them. And this left many people in Israel with a sense of fear-filled anxiety. And, and rightfully so. The Assyrian army was larger than the, the army of Israel. There was a very real chance that they could conquer them if Israel had no help from the Lord. And so they were They were scared. They were anxious. Their lives were lived with fear-filled anxiety. But God did not intend for His people to live lives of fear-filled anxiety. He intended for His people to have peace. He intended for His people to trust in Him and to have a sense of peace regardless of the circumstances of the life and the world around them. What God wanted the Israelites to know in Isaiah 26 is what He wants us to know today. And that's that God's perfect peace is always available to every believer. God's perfect peace is always available to every believer. And I want you to think about those things. God's peace is a perfect peace, and we'll talk about that. It's always available. Always available to every believer. So you and I this morning, if we have repented of our sins and we have believed in Jesus Christ, then God's perfect peace is always available to us. But what if we don't have this perfect peace? What if our lives are filled with uh, anxiety and fear? What can we do? We, we follow what God says through Isaiah here. First is that we seek peace from God. Uh, this is a, a, a beginning step. If we won't do this, then nothing else is really going to matter. We have to seek our peace from God. You know, the world the world offers us a measure of peace. And the world offers us many ways to try to find peace. Right? The world says find peace in financial security. If you have enough money, if your bank account is strong enough, if you have enough stuff, you're, you're good to go and you can have peace. And the world offers us uh, peace through success. Right, if you get that next promotion, if your peers look upon you and think that you're successful, then you, you my friend, can have peace. Or politics. Man, if, if my party will just win, right, if, if they will just elect the right president in November, if we will just get all the right politicians in place, everything will smooth out. I'll have peace. Good health. Man, as long, so I'm healthy and strong. Nobody in my life is sick or sickly. I can have peace, stability, or comfort. By stability or comfort, I basically just mean everything is in my everything in my life is as I think it should be. As long as, I mean, I don't have to be the richest and most successful and and all of my politicians are going and I have the best help, but as long as everything is relatively okay and and I'm comfortable where I am and, and the way that it is, I can have peace. And all of these things, they do offer a measure of peace. The problem with them is they're not a perfect peace. Because when we look to the world and to the worldly sources of peace, What we find is that our peace will always be in a state of flux. Right? Our peace is, is never consistent because financial security, one bad investment, one wrong turn on the economy, and, and suddenly all of, that I've saved and all that I've done, it's gone. Success. If I, if I get the promotion, peace. If I'm passed over, Turmoil. Politics. Man, right now everybody's in turmoil, right? Because what if, what if, what if they win? Oh my gosh. It's the end of the world. They win. If they win, but I mean, let's face it, there's another election coming up. Turmoil. Good health. How many of us know people? That went for regular checkups just to find out that everything went bad. A regular checkup turned into a life-altering moment. Stability or comfort, man. Any number of things can can take the stability or comfort out of my life, from from small things to big things. Somebody could run a card into my car and ding it, and things aren't as they should be. So I can have a wreck and my car is destroyed and, and I'm hurt. All of these things, all of these things can change like that. And if our peace comes from anything here, anything that the world offers, that's the way it'll be. There'll be a measure of peace for a while, but even when, even when things are okay, right? Financial security. I may have money in the bank and I may have a good job, the news reports of a possible economic collapse and suddenly I'm afraid of what could happen. Politics. I mean, one party has been in power for the last eight years, but now they've had peace over that, but now things might change and there's, there's turmoil there. I mean, even the worry about what could happen can cause turmoil. Not that there's anything wrong Something could go wrong. I'm nervous not the doctor visit. I'm nervous about this. Fear-filled anxiety will plague us if we look to the world for peace. So we have to say, I want a peace that lasts. I want a peace that is good. I want a peace that will guide me through the world regardless of the circumstances of life. And the world offers us a peace that is temporary at best and is always at risk for being lost. But God offers us something different. God says that He can keep us in in perfect peace. Perfect peace. Not temporary peace. Not a conditional peace, but a, a perfect peace. And what's great about this is this isn't a peace that we, we work to achieve. This isn't a peace that we try to earn. This is a peace that according to what is said here that God gives to us. right? And, and God says to Isaiah and the people of his day that, that he will keep them in perfect peace despite the threat of the Assyrian attack. There's no necessarily promise that God is going to stave off the attack. There's no, no promise that God is going to make them not come or that God's going to give them victory when they do come. God just says, despite the circumstances, I can give you a perfect peace. And the promise of a perfect peace as a gift from God is something that we can always have because the Bible says, I am the Lord, I change not. The God who gave the people of Isaiah's day a perfect peace is a God who can give perfect peace to you and I today. This is the the testimony of Scripture. The Lord will give strength to His people. The Lord will bless His people with peace. Now, I meant to underline the will. But not that, that God might, or that God can, or that He could. But that God will. Bless his people with peace. And I like the idea of a blessing. Peace being a blessing. In a world that wants to make us fearful and anxious, peace is a blessing. To be able to look at at the world situation and all that could happen and all that might happen, and just be like, oh well, that's a blessing. Because I'm telling you, there aren't a lot of people that have peace right now. People are all twisted up about all kinds of things in our world. But then there's an ability, an availability for peace that God will bless His people with. But it's not just in the Psalms. In Romans, Paul says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope, the power of the Holy Spirit. God can fill you with peace. I mean, filled, not again, not a, a temporary thing, not a partial thing, but a, a fulfilling of peace so that it overcomes whatever may be going on in our lives. And it's important to understand that, that God's peace, it's not a promise of an easy life. God's peace is not the promise that He's going to tackle troubles and hardships and keep them from coming to you. God's peace is a peace that helps us even in the midst of troubles and hardships. Now think about Paul and Silas in a Philippian prison. Wrongfully arrested, beaten, chained, possibly going to be executed. What do we find them doing at midnight? Fearfully ringing. If we had just voted that other way, this wouldn't have happened. If more people had just not voted third party. No. What did they say? They were singing and praising the Lord. Why? Because they knew God had it. The peace that they had in a Roman prison is the peace that we can have in the world we live in today. But it's not going to come when we look to the world. It's not going to come through anything but seeking God for this peace. God's perfect peace is available to every believer. There are no super believers who have a closer access to God and can have greater peace than normal believers. We're all equal in the kingdom of God. The difference is that some people seek God for peace. Some people seek the world for peace. When you start the seeking in the wrong place, you're never going to end up with God's perfect peace. But God's perfect peace is always available to every believer if we seek God for that peace. Secondly, focus your thoughts on God. God will keep Him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Our, our mind is, is stayed on the Lord. Isaiah says that God can give a perfect peace to those who focus their heart, focus their mind on God. The idea for the original readers is that they were to focus on God and not on the Assyrians. They weren't to focus on the imminent threat of invasion. They weren't to focus on the hatred the Assyrians had for Israelites. They weren't to focus on the size of the Assyrian army. They weren't to focus on anything other than the greatness, the power, the wonder of their God. They were to remember that their God was great and awesome, that their God was worthy of their praise, their devotion, and their trust. This is what we're supposed to do as well. Rather than focusing on the election and what will happen if they get elected. Focusing on the economy and what will happen if it goes that way. Focusing on our jobs, what will happen if... This comes to pass. Instead, we we focus on God. You may wonder, well, how does focusing on God help us to have peace? Well, we remember that God is sovereign. We won't despair over the turn of of world events. You know, the truth is, God has been in charge of this world a lot longer than we've been around to worry about it. Nations have risen and fallen. God was never surprised. God knows who's going to win in November. God knows what's going to happen with the economy. God knows what's going to go on in your life with every issue that may come up. There's not anything that's going to happen that's going to surprise God. There's not anything that's going to happen that God is not actively involved in. God is, is sovereign. He is all-knowing. And when we remember that God is these things, then we can remember the world that God, God has it. God has whatever's going to happen in His hand, and He can take care of it in the way that He wants it to happen. But God is all-powerful. Remember that God is all-powerful. He can handle it. But no matter what happens in our lives, in the election, in the economy, in terrorism, in any part of the world, there is nothing that God cannot handle. Surely, most of what happens will be outside of our control surely most of what happens will be outside of our ability to fix, to change, or to stop. But just as surely none of that is out of God's power. God is all-powerful and He can handle anything that may come. When we remember that God is all-knowing, we won't be worried about the future. God will not be surprised by anything that happens. No matter what tomorrow's new cycle brings, God knew about it already. He has known about it from eternity past, and He knows about it to the end of the age. We remember that God loves us. We live confidently knowing that He wants only what is best for us. I mean, if God loves me so much to send Jesus to die for me, that I, I can trust that everything else, right? God, that God who loves me that much will surely take care of me throughout my life. I think there's a contrast that happens when we focus on all the could be's versus focusing on God. Now, if you're a warrior, and some of you are and you know who you are and you're worried, I'm going to ask you, you're worried right now, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand, but I'm not. But those of you who are worriers. Here's what you know happens when you worry. Fear filled anxiety comes about an issue, situation, circumstance so you, you focus on it. You focus on it and you don't focus on God. And you don't think about that God's got it and that God can take care of it and that God loves you and can handle it. Instead, you think about how bad this is going to be. How big it is. And the more you think about it, the bigger it gets. Until you you lay in bed at night and you dream about it and you wake up and you're almost short of breath. You just might have panic attacks over it. You, the more you think about it, it just, it becomes overwhelming to you. Oh my gosh. The world is going to end. Everybody hates me. This is, I'm going to lose my job. We're going to get kicked out on the street. Everybody's going to, it's just, oh. And despair, agony, just presses us down are so almost crushed by it, and that's what happens when we focus on the issue, but when we focus on god there's there's relief from all of that. I think the best biblical example of this is Peter from the Gospel of Matthew. remember the story Jesus feeds the multitudes and he sends the disciples across the sea. And and He does it knowing that there's a storm coming. Keep that in mind. Anytime you read that story, keep in mind that the all-knowing Jesus sent them out there knowing a storm would come into their lives. And then He went up on a mountain to pray. And they went across and the storm came. And it threatened to overturn them till they feared for their lives. Now, again, keep in mind, these guys were fishermen. They were sailors. They were on that water all of the time. They, they were used to dealing with storms there. So it must have been a big storm for them to be terrified like that. And they're terrified and they're rowing for their lives and they're afraid they're going to die. And Jesus comes walking on the water. Now, I believe that Jesus' walking on the water was intentional. Because he could have got there any way he wanted to, right? I mean, he could have teleported over there if he wanted to. Why did he come walking on the water? Well, let me ask you this. What were they most afraid of at that particular moment? They were afraid of drowning. They were afraid of the water. And yet here's Jesus walking on top what they're most afraid of. I don't think that was accidental. I think he was showing them, I got it. I got it. And they see him and they're afraid. And he says, don't be afraid. It's me. And Peter, got to love Peter. Lord, if it's really you. Ask me to come to you and walking on the water as well. So Jesus says, "Well then, come on, big boy, get on out of the boat and I'll see what you can do." That's a paraphrase. So G- Peter hops out of the boat and he's looking at Jesus. And while he's looking at Jesus, he's he's walking on the water. Then the story goes on that he started to sink. Why did he start to sink? Because he took his eyes off of Jesus and he started to notice how big the waves were, how boisterous the wind was. And when he took his eyes off of the Lord, he began to sink into the water. And that is exactly, that is a perfect picture of what happens to us. Jesus is, is bigger than our election. He's bigger than our economy. He's bigger than what we're stressed about. He's, he's bigger than anything that's going on in our world, in our lives, in anything. He's got it. And if we're looking at Him and we remember that, we walk on top of it too. We have peace in that time. And it's not that everything's better and it's all been fixed. It's just that we know He's got it. The moment we take our eyes off of Him, it begins to well up we began to sink. Jesus keeps us in perfect peace when our minds are stayed on Him. Now, I'm going to say, I don't think that's an easy thing to do. Because the storms are big. The storms are real. The circumstances are problematic or we wouldn't worry about them. And it may take us just over and over and over again, working to focus our mind, to take our mind off of this and on to Jesus. And it will be hard at times, if you're a warrior, especially. But here's what I promise you, it can be done. But if, if God says to do it, if God says that He will keep us in perfect peace if our minds are stayed on Him, then here's what I promise you is true. God will keep us in perfect peace if our minds are stayed on Him. And it's possible to have a perfect peace and keep our minds stayed on Him. God's promises and God's word. They're never a a pie in the sky. Gee, this would be wonderful if this was how the world worked. Right? It would never they're never something that would be great if it was true, but it's just not. It just sounds nice. No. Everything God says is practical and doable. And true. If God says He can keep us in perfect peace, write it down, He can. No matter what's going on in the world or our lives. If God says that we need to keep our minds stayed on Him to have this perfect peace, we can keep our minds stayed on Him. That is something that actually can be done. There is nothing in Scripture that God says we are to do that we cannot do through Him. Can be done. If we focus our mind on the Lord, He will keep us in perfect peace. Perfect peace is always available to every believer if our minds are stayed on Him. The old hymn says, Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in His wonderful face, and the things of earth will go strangely dim. The light, His glory, and grace. When our minds are stayed on Him, perfect peace, it is available. And then finally, trust in God. You will keep Him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you, because He trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for in you the Lord is everlasting strength. I think, and as I was studying this passage, what I saw is that this is a, I think it's a a step, it's a progression. If I want perfect peace, then I first I have to determine where I'm going to seek that perfect peace from. And if I'm determined to have a perfect peace, then I must seek it from the Lord. To seek this perfect peace from the Lord requires me to focus my thoughts on God. And if I'm going to focus my thoughts on God so that I can have a perfect peace, then I must trust God. I must trust God. And that's what they needed to do. They needed to trust that God could handle whatever was coming. They needed to trust that God's will would carry them through whatever was going to happen. They needed to trust that God could be there for them and would be there for them and would take care of them throughout Their lives. And as I was thinking about this, I think the best way to demonstrate our thoughts are focused on God and we are trusting in God, it's to pray. I mean, nothing focuses my thoughts on God like prayer. Nothing declares my trust for God like prayer. And and in the end, my trust in God is going to be shown in my focus. My focus is going to be shown in what I'm seeking for peace. And I love what Paul said. Be anxious for nothing. Now again, this is one of those things we have to understand. This is not a pie-in-the-sky thing. If the Bible says be anxious for nothing, then it is possible to never be anxious. It is possible to live a life that is free of fear-filled anxiety. But there's a key to it. and Everything by prayer and supplication. Let your request be made known to God. See, the key to living a life that is free. Fear-filled anxiety. Is prayer. We have to pray. Instead of letting fear and anxiety consume us, we are to turn all of those things over to God and trust Him to do all things well. I believe fear-filled anxiety, it is a subtle form of distrust in God. What I am fearful and anxious about, I don't trust God to take care of properly. What I am fearful and anxious about, I don't believe God will make sure it gets done in the right way. And the only way that we can deal with that is to really recognize it. But I'm fearful and I'm anxious because I doubt God's ability. or I doubt God's goodness. Or I doubt that God cares. But either way that I doubt God in one way or another. And doubting God is an issue, but it's not a fatal issue if we're honest about it. For we're honest about it, we can deal with it, and we can begin to turn it over to the Lord in prayer. We can do what Peter said and cast all of our cares upon the Lord, for He, he cares for us. And I like the way Paul describes us with prayer and supplication. Right? I mean, the idea is, man, in all kinds of prayer and in all kinds of ways, just pray and take those needs to the Lord. What are you fearful about? What are you anxious about? What, what keeps you up at night? What is stealing your peace? Whatever it is, take it to the Lord and leave it with Him. And that sounds like a, almost a Christian cliche. We'll just leave it with God. I don't to tell you, that's what the Bible says. If the Bible says it, it's something that can be done. We can cast our cares upon the Lord and He can give us a peace for it. As we do it, I, I like the, Paul says, with thanksgiving. You know, it's easy to forget to be thankful to the Lord for the things He's already done. Especially when, we're, when our lives are, are consumed with fear-filled anxiety. All, all we can see are the troubles and the issues. We, we forget all the things that God has already done. But when we cast these things upon the Lord, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding... now. What surpasses all understanding means is the world won't understand it. The world won't understand why you're so upset when the circumstances of life seem bad. Why you're, why you're upset. No, the world will understand it. The world won't understand why you have peace when the circumstances of life seem bad. The world won't understand why you have peace when everybody else is fretful over the election, the world won't understand why you have peace. When everybody else is in turmoil over the economy and what could be, the world will just be like, "What's wrong with you? Don't don't you care?" That's what it is. You just don't care, do you? Nope, it's not the problem. I'm just, I just have peace from the Lord. It, it it's not something that the world apart from Christ will ever be able to understand, but it's something we can have. And it says that this peace it will it will guard our hearts and minds through. Christ Jesus. The idea of guard was that of a basically a military garrison. Philippi was a, an occupied city. Rome had soldiers that guarded the city and kept it safe. Paul's imagery was something they would understand. Philippi was kept safe by soldiers that stood on the wall and kept the enemies at bay. The picture is that when we cast this all upon the Lord, when we let our requests be made known to God... God's peace, it will come in and it will guard our hearts against the enemies of fear and anxiety and worry. It will repel them and it will keep us safe and it will give us this peace that passes all understanding. And when we talk about praying to get the peace which passes all understanding, I don't believe that peace comes by saying, Dear Lord, take care of this. Amen. I believe it's the kind of prayer what the old timers would call praying through. It's the kind of praying you see in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus, headed to the cross, was anxious, troubled. And He went to pray. And He prayed and He came back and the disciples were asleep. And what did He say to them? Could you not pray with me, what, for one hour? Then He went back. And he prayed again, and he came back, and he found them asleep again. And then he went and he prayed again, and he came back. And each time it says he prayed the same thing. So basically, Jesus spent three hours praying to prepare himself for going to the cross. But once he came back, he was set. Because remember his prayer during that time? Lord, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, let your will be done. There was some anxiety there. But once he came back, once he had prayed through, he was ready. Get up, let's go, my betrayer is at hand. He was set. Now, I'm not saying that you necessarily have to pray for three hours to get the peace. But you might. I think to pray through, it takes time. It takes the commitment to pray until the peace comes. And if that takes five minutes, so be it. If that takes an hour, so be it. But I think we're peaceless because we're prayerless so very often. And even with that, I was thinking about that, I think sometimes we're peaceless because we're not consistent in our prayers. Have you ever been a crisis Christian? Here's what I mean by a crisis Christian. A crisis Christian is someone who basically lives however they want to when everything is fine. Now they're not necessarily sinners. And you know killing people and stuff like that. But they, they don't really take a lot of thought to God. They don't really pray. They don't read the Bible. They don't come to church. They just do what they want to do. While everything is fine. But then let a crisis come into their lives. And they recommit their lives to Jesus. And when they recommit their lives to Jesus. They read their Bible all the time. And they pray all the time. And they come to church all the time. But when the crisis is over. All of that goes back to the way that it was before. And then when they go back to the way they were before, they begin to wonder, why don't I have peace like I had before? What's what's wrong in my life now? It, It just feels like God has abandoned me. No. It's not God that has abandoned us. It's that we have left God. A crisis Christian will never have a consistent amount of peace. They'll have peace while they're seeking the Lord, but once that's gone and they begin to do their own thing, that peace ebbs away, goes away, until they're just as much turmoil as they were before. If we want to have a perfect peace that he talks about here, we can't merely be a crisis Christian. We have to be a consistent Christian. We have to read our Bibles and pray and come to church and do all the things that the Bible says we're to do, just as much when things are good, As we do when things are bad. Consistent prayer. Man, that that builds in our lives. Peace, spiritual strength, the ability to deal with whatever may come. Listen, a perfect peace, it is always available to every believer if they trust the Lord. If they trust the Lord enough to seek the Lord. Cast their cares upon the Lord and trust that He will do all things well. Let me ask you, do you have peace right now? And I don't mean can you smile and put on a good face out in public. But tonight when you go to bed and it's dark and it's just you and God, are there peace filled thoughts that send you off to sleep? Or is there fear-filled anxiety that plagues you throughout the night? Do you have a perfect peace that passes all understanding? If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you should. It is your birthright as a born-again child of God. If you are born again... And you do not have peace that passes all understanding, something is wrong. And you're the only one who can find out what it is. Let's stand as our